Um, we've been camped out in, in Hebrews 6 for the last few weeks, um, talking about the foundations of our faith. And, and as we started to prep for this, um, for today, we were starting to think, well, how do we, you know, how do we give the, you guys some feedback on what's been going on? And, and it just struck me how this is a useful moment to, to wrap up that series. Just to think about, you know, wh- what, what do the foundations of our faith mean for us? And what are we getting called to beyond that? So I want to start today, before we start to look ahead, just to, just to give a little bit of a wrap up on Hebrews 6. And I want to read you the full chapter. We've been looking at Hebrews 6, verse 1 to 2, um, talking about those foundations, listing what those foundations are. We've dug into each of those foundations, but let's have a look at the full chapter. I'm going to read you guys the full chapter if you want to turn to Hebrews 6 in your Bibles. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation today. So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds, placing our faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And so God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. For it is impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened, those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come, and who then turn away from God. It is impossible to bring such people back to repentance. By rejecting the Son of God, they themselves are nailing him to the cross once again and holding him up to public shame. When the ground soaks up the falling rain and bears a good crop for the farmer, it has God's blessing. But if a field bears some thorns and thistles, it is useless. The farmer will soon condemn that field and burn it. Dear friends, even though we are talking this way, we really don't believe it applies to you. We are confident that you are meant for better things, things that come with salvation. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers, as you still do. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts, in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. For example, there was God's promise to Abraham. Since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name, saying, I will certainly bless you and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. And then Abraham waited patiently, and he received what God had promised. Now, when people take an oath, they call on something or someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God gave So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. 
Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. So we've been camped out in Hebrews 6 for the last few weeks. We've been looking at the foundations of faith. And our primary reference has been verse 2, looking at what those foundations are. Repentance from dead works or evil deeds, faith towards God, baptism, laying on of hands, resurrection from the dead, and eternal judgment. And we've dug into the details of all of those. But I've got to admit, there was one thing that nagged me from the start. The writer to the Hebrews is instructing his readers to to stop going over those foundations again and again and to move past them. And yet, yeah, we've been the last six weeks looking at these foundations. But I think the context is really important here, and it holds important lessons for us too. Hebrews was a letter that was addressed to a group of Jewish believers who had accepted Christ. Judaism is not a second-rate or easy religion. It was designed by God for his people to guide them in the true expression of worship. The commandments given to the Jews, the rituals, the prophets, um, described God's promises and revealed the way to forgiveness and salvation. To the Jews who had grown up in this religious system, the message of Jesus was, and it still is, radical and difficult to accept. The law, the rituals and the customs and the discipline were all powerless to save them. Instead, salvation was offered freely to all those who believed in Jesus and accepted them as their Messiah. Big step for a Jewish person in that moment to take. It was a big deal. And it involved turning away from everything that they knew. And these believers had done that. The Hebrews had done that. And yet they were going through a hard time. They were facing persecution for their faith, both from government and from Jewish leaders. And life for those believers was incredibly, incredibly difficult. And I see that mirrored in our own lives. We all experience hard times. And so, in so many conversations, that's come to the fore in the Liberty family this year. We may be lucky in the sense that we're not being physically persecuted either by the state or by, or by the Jewish leaders as the Hebrews were. But we've got other struggles, other hard times. Maybe we're struggling financially. Maybe we're struggling with illness. Maybe we've lost a loved one. Maybe we're struggling in our relationships. Or we're dealing with disappointment. Maybe we have uncertainty about the future. Maybe we have a crisis in our work. Maybe people in our lives are challenging our very faith. Or maybe we're even being marginalized in communities because of our faith. And I think there's, if I think about what the Hebrews were going through, there are probably a few natural responses that they might have had. What were they thinking? What were they feeling? Maybe they could have been paralyzed in fear. Like a deer caught in the headlights, they were blinded by their own hard time. And they were unable to see past that, and they were unable to act. Lyndon spoke about the, the group of men that meet on a, on a Friday morning, and the other day we were looking at a, a passage of Scripture in Matthew eight twenty three. You guys can look at that in your own time. But it's a story about when Jesus calms a storm. So the disciples were with Jesus in a boat, and a big storm came, and the disciples freaked out. They panicked while Jesus slept. 
And uh, they went to Jesus and they woke him up and they said, we don't know what we do. We're going to perish. The storm is going to kill us. Jesus' response is really interesting. He says to them, why are you afraid? Are you of little faith? And it's very interesting what Jesus did. He connected a response, fear, to one of the foundations that we dug into in the series, faith. Fear was a symptom. Faith was the cause, or lack of faith was the cause. So, so maybe the Hebrews were feeling fear at that time. Maybe they were looking for comfort in the wrong thing. Instead of turning back to Jesus in the midst of their own hard time, they leaned on the traditions that were so entrenched in them. They started blending Jewish tradition with their faith in Jesus. They were living a sort of hybrid or diluted faith. They were mixing the old with the new. And the result, like new wine put into an old wineskin, the wineskin burst. And in the extreme cases, maybe some of them were totally doubting what they were hearing. They were doubting their own belief, and maybe they were turning away from Christ altogether. They were questioning those foundations and possibly abandoning them. And so it was these things and in this context that the, the writer to the Hebrews was writing to them. And from the rest of the chapter, there's a couple of points that we can take away. Firstly, regardless of our circumstances or our doubts or the burden of our own hard time, the foundation of the gospel remains true. And the, the writer to the Hebrews goes to great lengths in the rest of that book to, 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 to actually explain how supreme and how glorious Christ is. Christ is better than anything those Jewish believers had experienced before. Okay. We can hold on to those foundations because they are rooted in the promise of God. The second thing, we cannot stand still. Notice how the writer calls the Hebrews to move forward. Yes, these are the foundations. You're going through a difficult time. Stop questioning these foundations. You can take these to the bank and you can move forward. The Hebrews de debate and lack of the grasp of the foundations of their faith was a hindrance to them. And later in verse 9, we're told we are meant for better things, things that come with salvation. Our salvation is not just a dusty insurance contract for when we die, okay? It ushers in something more. And I don't know about you, but I find comfort in the fact that every day I am being called by God beyond where I am now into something even better. The third thing, the Lord is our refuge. We can flee to him and we have access to him through Jesus. It's through the obedience of Jesus and his ultimate sacrifice and love for us that the curtain to God's sanctuary was torn. What does that mean? Why was it torn? It was torn for you and me to pass through. And so it doesn't matter how much we complicate the questions in our lives. The answer will always be Jesus. Fourth thing is we have a confidence and a hope for the future. And that hope is an anchor for our souls. I love that expression. 
Okay? Our hard times might feel like stormy waves in the moment. Maybe we're panicking like those disciples in the boat. But we have an anchor in the hope that we have through Jesus. And it's a strong and trustworthy anchor. It will never fail us. And the last thing is we demonstrate our love for the, for the Lord through our love and care for other believers. And I think here the author of Hebrews was bringing us back to the practicalities of our faith. Our spiritual life is much more than an academic debate about those foundations and beliefs. Our faith works out itself out in the way that we care for each other. As we mature, we begin to look outward. We shift the focus away from our own condition and needs and towards others. We care for them, we support them, we encourage them, and we love them. As a community, we begin to demonstrate the reality of God's kingdom. We begin, and we begin to practically reflect God's love for us to each other. Interestingly, it's also the, our love for others that, bega- that, that prevents us from becoming spiritually dull or indifferent. Notice what the writer says. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will become true. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. Other translations use, instead of the word spiritually dull and indifferent, they use the term sluggish. Now, whether we use the word dull or indifferent or sluggish, all of these terms speak to an inability to move forward. It's simple then. Do you want to move forward with God? Love others. So what does this mean for liberty? Maybe to answer that question, it's worth starting with where we've come from. Something that we wanted to achieve with today. What's happened over the last year, couple of years in the Liberty family? And it's been clear that for many of us, the last year has been filled with hard times. It's been difficult. And I can speak for my own, for myself, from my own set of circumstances. When I say that if it weren't for this community, I don't know how I would have made it through the year. From quite literally standing by my side in some very, very difficult situations, people physically next to me as I've had to confront scary things, to prayer for me and words of encouragement, to counsel and guidance, to listening. The people of this community are the ones that have drawn closest to me in any difficult situation that I found myself in this year. But even though it's felt tough, we can't ignore the sense of expectation that's filled this community. And that's come up in a lot of the series that have been preached on by various people in this church over the year. God is working in us, and he's taking us into something more. And we've been seeing this for a while. We've gone from a small evening congregation in Nugen to a fully planted out congregation operating autonomously. 
We plant it out at a time when it seemed crazy to do so. We, we plant it out, I think, in beginning March 2020, smack in the middle of lockdown. And yet it feels like this community came through that even stronger and even more closely knit than before, despite those barriers. We never lost the ability to find ways to connect. We met online, we met in the park, and now we're meeting in a regular venue. When we planted out, we quite literally stepped out of the boat. For the first time as a congregation, we were fully responsible for our finances. As an evening congregation in New Gen, we were able to lean on the support of the morning congregation as our congregation grew. And despite the financial and economic difficulties that came with the pandemic, at the time that we planted out, the generosity of the people in this community has been overwhelming. For the, for the last few years, we've been generating a financial surplus, something that never happened before. And it's important to us that these finances are, st are stewarded in a godly way um, and that they're used to build into God's kingdom. So to facilitate that, we have a resource committee, and that resource committee supports the eldership of the church on, on these types of financial decisions. And the aim is to make sure that any financial resources that we do have are firstly managed wisely, and secondly, are available to be deployed when the, when, the, when the church receives direction from the Lord on how to apply those funds. And so the direction has become clearer this year, and we've already seen some of this play out in the life of the church. It's allowed us to support and grow various ministries in the church. We've heard back from, from Lib Claire, amazing stuff that's happening there. Okay, We can't forget, I mean, Aside from the things that happened this year, we can't forget about the importance of that ministry during hard times like the pandemic, when we were able to supply via soup kitchens and food parcels to the needy. We've been able to source the equipment that we need to run the services in this venue, sound equipment, visual equipment, chairs. <laughs> and our pastoral and admin teams are growing. We've got Matt coming on full-time in the pastoral team, and we've got Celeste on a full-time basis joining the admin team from next year. We've seen growth in the full-time staff that's supporting this community. We've seen growth in the number of and attendance of our life groups as people establish themselves in community. We've recently seen the launch of an evening service. Um, to create even more capacity for this community to grow. And so this is all signs of a community trusting in God and moving forward. And so the question remains, what next? Where is liberty going to next? And I want to pause here and I want to hand over to Glenn, who's going to talk a little bit about next year. Thanks, Jono. Okay. Uh, before I do kick off, I do want to actually also just thank Wade and Cecilia. Jeez, guys. I know you thank everybody else, but uh, yeah. And I got a little genetic difference to me. Okay, that's better. Okay. Um, but you guys have been absolutely incredible. Um, really just taken 
the generosity of this community and uh, put it out into the communities around us in a way that is actually really impacting lives. And uh, you guys have just been absolutely astounding in it. Um, just laying your lives down for us, never complaining. Well, wait a little bit. I'm just joking. Never complaining. I mean, really just uh, loving the communities that you go into, um, having the hard conversations when you need to, um, but also just being incredibly generous uh, on behalf of Liberty. And so we just want to commend you too and say thank you very much. Um, and I think the generosity in this church uh, for me is evidence of uh, that verse 79, which John read, which is ground that drinks up the rain falling on it repeatedly. And that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is cultivated, receives a blessing from God. But if it produces thorns and thistles, it is worthless and on the verge of being cursed. Its end is to be burned over. Even though we speak in this way, beloved, we are confident of better things in your case, things that belong to salvation. And so generosity in many ways is evidence that the ground of our souls, which is repeatedly drinking from the word that is being preached to us and taught to us um, and being encouraged one to another, uh, that that truth is beginning to produce a crop of generosity in us as a people and has been, as John has said, for the last two, three, four years. Uh, the gospel is proving useful to us who are cultivating it uh, and putting it to use and adjusting and making adjustments and alignments in our lives uh, to Christ's way which results in selfless loving and giving, right? Because the world doesn't teach us that. The world says accumulate, build your little empire. Everything's about taking care of yourself on this planet. But when we align ourselves to Jesus, he says actually to give away here is to accumulate for eternity. And that is what God has been doing in us as a people uh, as the Spirit has been moving amongst us. So your joyful giving over the last years has resulted in thousands of people, as Wade and Cecilia uh, were mentioning, uh, who th- who... Have lives have been impacted in ways that this side of eternity, we may never meet them. And yet somehow our generosity has been able to impact those families uh, who one day, hopefully, when we get to be with the Lord, we'll get to uh, be able to celebrate and see the lives which we've touched um, this side of eternity. Your faithful generosity over this year means that while uh, you may not be aware of it, there are families sitting right next to you who've been the beneficiaries of your finances and able to have meals and able to get their kids through school and able to fill their fuel tanks uh, to get to school and to get to work. Um, and you may never hear about it, but it's the work that's being done around us and amongst us um, as the Holy Spirit is working in us and your generosity has made those things happen. Um, and we don't want to be those who are going blowing the trumpets and going, hey, we are the great givers, right? But we do want to know that actually those finances are being used for the families that are sitting right next to you. And I honestly praise God for that generosity as we've seen the lives that have been impacted and changed. And obviously, I get to be the beneficiary of hearing the thanks of those who are the recipients of your generosity. Um, And I just want to say that um, there are great rewards for you in heaven. Uh, we We don't want to hear about them here. We want the eternal rewards, which completely outweigh any rewards that we can think about on this planet. Um, But I do want to just affirm us and say, thank you, Jesus, for the work that he's done in our hearts and in our lives. Your wrestle to resist what the world tells you to store your treasures here on earth, but rather to store your treasures in heaven. Um, I also want to just thank the Lord for the work that he's done in us. Um, The Holy Spirit is the only one who can set our eyes onto an eternal future, which has treasures far greater than the flashy ones that are right in front of our eyes and uh, so easily lure us, right? Um, And especially as Christmas comes and we have all these great dreams and aspirations for what we'll find under the Christmas tree, uh, it is the Holy Spirit who reminds us that actually there's a greater future and a greater reward waiting for us on his return. Every cent that you have invested into this ministry uh, and into this community receives a blessing from the Lord. 
Uh, the writer of Hebrews says, For God is not unjust. He will not overlook your work and the love that you've showed for his sake in serving the saints as you still do. And so the, the Lord sees these things. Um, and there is a blessing to be had. There is blessing, firstly, in this life, as we see the immediate effects on families around us. And like I said, we may not even know that, but we see the effects on lives right around us, but also with growth in ministry. As the Lord is growing this church, um, John mentioned the evening meeting, which we now have. Uh, The Lord is beginning to grow this community more and more, uh, and we get to contribute toward that. But secondly, the promise of rewards in the life to come, which cannot be compared to the stuff that we see here. The scriptures aren't very clear as to what these rewards look like, but I can guarantee you that we are going to be absolutely astounded at the beauty of the goodness of God um, as he benefits and blesses uh, those who've been generous in this life. And I know that there is great blessing to be had amongst the people in this church. I'm coming to hang out with a lot of you guys in heaven because I know you're going to have some incredibly great rewards. I'm coming to benefit from all of your kindness and generosity on this planet. Uh, I'm going to come and hang out with you and enjoy those. Uh, but we must be wise stewards, right, of our finances here on earth. And so we're not saying we just give everything away, but we need to be wise stewards. But at the same time, we see Jesus commending the widow for giving her last mite, right? He didn't rebuke her for not saving up for an RA. He commended her by saying that the very little that you have out of generosity and obedience to God, you gave of everything that you had. Um, and so while we are wise and we want to steward our finances well, I also want to commend this church uh, just for being an incredibly generous church. I've seen people give away stuff that I'm like, you could probably use that yourself, but I know that the benefits and the blessings that God has for you uh, are waiting. And I'm going to celebrate and, like I said, be the beneficiary of your generosity and kindness. So I look forward to that. As we want each one of you to show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope to the very end, so that you may not become sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. We have this hope, a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters the inner shrine behind the curtain where Jesus, a forerunner on our behalf, has entered, having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. And our goal as this church is to grow in love for God. Our goal is to grow in love for one another, uh, as I think we already are. Uh, We aim to be formed into disciples of Jesus, right? Um, But also, as we give our lives and we give our gifts and we give our finances, uh, we also not just want to see ourselves being built up, but we want to see the lost come to Christ. We don't just want to build a beautiful building and have a community that's just feasting together, which we shall be doing, but we want to see the lost come to Christ, and we want to usher finances toward that, that we would see more and more people come to Christ. Tomorrow uh, at 6 p.m., we baptize Francis. Where are you? We baptize Francis uh, in front of SunSurf. Um, and I want to invite everyone uh, who is available if you want to be there for that beautiful moment. But that is more of what we want to see from this community as the Lord uses us to impact the neighborhood around us. And to think of Herod and Chantal's story, if you hear it, it is, you will weep. It is beautiful what the Lord has done in that family. And their generosity with the little that they have results in the blessings of people giving their lives to the Lord, which is far greater than any little assets that we can accumulate on this planet. And that is what we celebrate. That is what we pour finances into, to see lives being changed and to see people come to Christ. Um, And it's a beautiful picture for me. I just honestly give thanks to the Lord daily for the generosity of this church, which is impacting people's lives. Um, And I pray that we would be found to be those who our souls are anchored in Christ, 
that we can endure and continue to give um, until the Lord returns. And Liberty is a relatively young church. Jono gave us a quick kind of summary of how we got to where we are. Um, and I think all of us wish we were far more mature and would get ahead and have all these rocking and rolling ministries tomorrow. But the Lord grows his church as he deems fit. Uh, and we walk year in and year out in obedience to him and say, Lord, what are you asking us to put our focus on this year? What are you asking us to pour finances in this year? What are you asking us to put our gifts toward this year? Um, and we're walking in step with the Lord. Um, and it's him who builds liberty. And we will continue to follow him as he does that. Next year, with the help of the Lord, we will show the same diligence as we have for the last few years. Um, and we want to realize this full assurance of hope that is found in Christ. And we want to see that assurance of hope uh, impacting more and more lives. Obviously, our own. We want to grow in faith. We want to grow in the impact of the Holy Spirit in our own personal lives. But we also want to see more and more people outside the church coming to faith and for their lives to begin to imitate Jesus um, who has made this way for us, like Melchizedek, into the presence of God. This isn't about money. This isn't about finances. This isn't even about us thanking one another. This is about people coming and entering into the presence of God. And that is what we pour our lives out for. And Jesus is that sure and steadfast anchor. This isn't just a job. This isn't just a thing that we get to do. It's a person that we approach. It is a person that we serve. It is a person that we commit all that we have to. And that person is Jesus. And he is sure. He will not be mocked. He will return blessing upon everybody who has laid their lives down for him. Uh, it's ridiculous that he does that, honestly. We deserve to lay everything down and receive absolutely nothing back. But he's incredibly kind and blesses those who lay their lives down for one another and for him. And so we have been diligent to care for this community. And for that, I want to thank every single one of you. And this we will continue to do as this church matures, as Jesus moves us year in and year out. Uh, we want to ensure that we stay caring for one another, that our own souls are being well looked for. And part of Matt coming onto staff is that he's an incredibly gifted teacher, as many of us know. Um, and so we want to ensure that as the Lord is lifting our eyes a little bit out as we mature. And so, you know, with children, as they're small, pretty much the entire world's about them, right? Their first words are like mine and no. But as we mature and grow, we begin to become open-handed and our lives begin to be outward looking. But we want to ensure that we are also taken care of internally. And so Matt's going to play a huge role in that. But part of that also is to equip us as saints to be able to take that message of Jesus out into the world, outside of these four walls, and to see lives come to Christ and to lay their lives down before him. And I'm sure every single one of us, I think, shares that vision, yes, to see more and more lives come to Christ. Um, and so even as we approach the end of the year, I want to ask that our prayers would be filled with that prayer for the upcoming year that not only would we be strengthened in Christ, but that we would begin to impact more and more the community around us, uh, the, the employees that you work with, the colleagues that you work with, your bosses. I'm sure some of you would love for your boss to be saved, right, and to be super generous with your salary. So let's pray for that. Let's pray for that. Uh, but there's so many people that we get to impact that the person next to you doesn't get to impact. And we want the Lord to begin to use us more and more next year for that, that we may be taught to obey all that he's commanded us, but that we would also go and make disciples of all nations. And so my prayer is that we would continue to see that take place in this community. As Celeste comes on board as well, just a, an increase in the ability to reach out and to administrate all these things that are going on. Um, I have a huge heart for Liberty Care to explode and grow next year. They're already doing incredibly amazing things. But I, I think all of us want to see that list that they had on the board. That should not be an issue, right? 
We want to see all of those things ticked off and supplied. Uh, we want to be a generous community, and we are. But it also takes us actually on our knees to saying, God, would you provide for these things? This is not out of our own. Let's not, let's not um, hear from Jono that this has been an incredibly generous community and for us to rest on our laurels and go, yes, we've been a generous people. We stay on our knees and say, God, would you continue to supply our needs and would you continue to make us a generous people? For through that generosity, right, people actually see something. It's because of your love for one another that they see, well, why are these people so generous? Why? why do they keep giving stuff away? Why do they keep lending cars to each other? Why do they keep filling one another's petrol tanks? Because they are disciples of Jesus. And through that, people come to a knowledge of Jesus and see this Jesus who they've only heard about. They actually see him in action as the body of Christ begins to impact the world around them. And so my prayer is that we truly would remain a people on our knees, asking God to continue to make us a generous people. Can I ask that we go and get some bread and some juice, uh, and we are going to take communion together as we land uh, this morning. We know, Lord, that we could never give to the level and to the degree which you gave, and yet we still want to be just a small little symbol of your generosity as we pour our lives out to this generation and to this world. God, I want to give thanks for the generosity of this community. Lord, through tough financial times, this has been an incredibly generous community. Lord, we've been able to bless communities that uh, without our contribution, by all means, you would have made another way. But we put our hands up and we said, Lord, we would be used by you. We want to be an expression of your generosity. And God, I want to ask that for every single cent, every single uh, energy that was poured out in order to be generous to somebody outside of our own families and outside of ourselves, I ask you, Lord, to return that a hundredfold upon every single gift that has been given in this community. Lord, we know how generous you are, and so we know that it is not too much to ask. But God, we also know that we look forward to you blessing us and repaying us for our generosity on this planet for an eternity and at a measure that we cannot fully comprehend. And it's not because we deserve it, Lord. It is because you once again will prove to be more generous than we could ever understand, than we could ever imagine. And God, we want to be a people who pour our lives out as you poured yours out. And so we eat this bread, we drink this juice in celebration of you. And I ask that over December, as our workspace quietens down, that as our sports quietens down, that as our schooling quietens down, Lord, we would not find ourselves sluggish in seeking after you. I pray that it would be a time where we can shift our focus just to say, God, thank you for this time. Thank you that we actually find our rest in you, not just in stopping work, but we find our rest in you. And I ask that as we do that over December, Lord, that you would envision this people that as individuals you would give them something to bring next year as to where you want them to put their hand. I pray that you would speak to individuals that would be able to say, this is the sense that I get from the Father and where he is wanting to take this church next year. We want to have a time next year, Lord, where we come together and we hear all that you have been saying to your people. Because you are generous, Lord. You speak to your people. We do not deserve your goodness and your kindness and your generosity, but every single time that we eat this bread and we drink this juice, we are reminded 
of how generous you are. And so we do this, yes, in a somber and a serious way, but we do it with great celebration and thanksgiving on our hearts that you have been so, so good to us. We love you, God, and we do this in remembrance of our incredibly generous Savior, Jesus Christ, whom we love in your precious name. Amen.